Hello, good people. Welcome, 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 welcome to Faith Boosters. Another session of just hanging out with Jesus and his word. We thank God so much for this space. And um, yeah, last week was a blast, wasn't it? If you missed the word last week, <laughs> go find it. Go find it. It will save you from so much chaos and it will elevate you in your generation. And you can go ahead and share what do you remember, what stood out, what have you taken action on. I hope that you are being saturated with the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now there's this thing on my heart that has been, again, things that just are found to see patterns. Patterns bother me because patterns mean that there's something we've accepted maybe in our lives or in our generation. And it's something, again, I have noticed in our generation. The 30-year-olds, the 20-year-olds, uh, the yeah, especially 30s and 20s and under. So this is the thing I have noticed. I don't know if you've noticed it too. Have you noticed a pattern where we give God what will not over-inconvenience us? Do you understand? If you're going to serve on a church team, you'll say, uh, I'll serve once a month because I'm not so sure. My Sunday is a resting day for me. It's a day for sleeping in and chilling and going to the swimming pool and going to the washing bay. And if I really, if I'm going to help the pastor because they overcry about people serving, because, because in your head you think you're helping the pastor, who is already serving, by the way, every Sunday, um, but you think you're helping them, yet it's the instruction is for you to serve God in your generation with every gift that you have. This is what I've noticed, that if you have people who are serving God in the church, many of us will serve when it's convenient, will give what will not hurt us, or what will not disturb us too much. If it's to give, let me, I'm going to tell you a story. Remind me to tell you a story about someone I was discipling and what they believed offering was. I'm coming back to that. But it's like in the church, in our minds, yeah, you're happy to go to a church which is not clean. In your head, someone else should be doing it. I don't know who that person is, but someone else out there should be doing it. It's not painted. It's not, it's not, it's not really bother you. Like God's house being in shambles doesn't bother you so much. Um, you show up late for service. I'm touching touchy things. I'm touching touchy things. You show up late. At work, you're always on time. But for church, you come after the worship because music is not your thing. Um, so the people who prepared the worship, uh, that's their business. It's not yours. You'll come in time for the word. Or you'll come in time for when it's convenient. Like after you've slept your sleep and finished it, you'll go for the service which doesn't bother you, which doesn't disturb you much. And when the preacher you like is preaching, if the one you don't enjoy so much is not preaching, basically it has to suit me. It has to work for me. It has, it's about me. It's, 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 I won't invite people. Why should I invite people to church, man? No, thank you. But you go out and do sales for the company you work for, which doesn't change much of people's lives really, but it brings money. So you sell because at the end of the day, after you've done the company sales, you will get a bonus or you'll get something, whatever they call it. Uh, but you're, so you're a salesperson at work, but you're not a salesperson for Jesus. Um, you wear your best clothes at work, and Sunday has to be your most convenient clothes, the ones which you feel most free in. And, and I'm all for freedom, man. I, I agree. I also wear what I feel free in, but I also wear my best at church. Yeah, I, so, I also take my best. What's most convenient? So for God, it's the beggarly, the convenient, the fake, the small, the... Ah, uh, that's what I've noticed. And maybe I'm alone. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've noticed that. For you, have you noticed the opposite? That people still dress their best when I was younger. We used to wake up and you'd iron your clothes the night before. You wear your best. I still make our children do that. They lay out their clothes the night before. We have to inspect them, look at them. Ah, and then I, before I even go into the offertory, because now that's next level. Eh? But I've noticed a pattern which is destroying us as believers as children of God and is making people out there not desire to be part of the kingdom of God because yeah we don't there, there's another religion where people give like it's an honor to build a house of worship for their God but for us eh, in church you can find that a church has been fundraising for 20 years since you were a baby 
to put up a miserable building for God while we go ahead and build all sorts of other things that have nothing to do with God. Of course, you see it in the life of David. It was very different. Before he ever built himself a house, even before, before Solomon built himself a house, he built God a magnificent temple. For 11 years, he didn't build himself a house. He built God's temple. And then after that, he built his house. And so you see men who gave God their first and best. You see men when the artisans were brought forward, the best artists were chosen to design inside the temple. The best um, builders were brought to build. The best singers were, put it, were brought onto the worship team for dedicating the temple of God. The best, the most skilled. But now there are people who they, they will charge the church to play an instrument if they are skilled. So you find that in churches you have the least skills, skilled people. People are charging God to do his work for him, you know. They, 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 they charge in the world and, they, and in fact when they come to church they charge even more. And that's why many times you find that the worship teams in churches are the brokest people. And I'm not talking about people who gave up everything, come to work in the church and that's their labor basically. That's what they do. They build worship teams. They what? That is their work. They are like the worship pastor. That's different. I'm talking about people who have out there their main work is maybe playing the piano they play at concerts and whatever but when they come to church they want to be paid also now imagine if also you're a lawyer maybe and you want the church to also pay you for doing legal work for the church on top of the money you make out there um it, it's that sort of thing where you give god your list in fact you'd rather not work for the church you'd rather not do anything for the church and that's why the church of god right now has that it's weak not strong it's not glorious it's not how it was and yet it's supposed to be going to the next level and i think god is waking us up as, as a generation to say honor me i want to talk about honoring the lord by giving god your best honoring the lord by giving him your best honoring the lord by giving him your best that's what i'm talking about today you see god demonstrates his love for the church how in john 3 16 the bible says god so loved the world that he gave his very best. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. When God thought of us, he gave his best. And he requires the same of you and I. That this whole idea that the church deserves the worst. I don't know where it came from. That, it, that if you're brilliant, you shouldn't work for the church. The church should get the people who failed in life, who failed in school, who failed in everything. Like you say, my kid has failed in everything. I've brought them to work in the church. Why? Why should God get, get the ones who failed at everything? Of course he will use them. God gets the foolish things of this world to shame the proud. But why should we say, some of you think you're too good to serve God. You're like, I can't. Like, I'm so brilliant. I can't waste my life in the church. So you see the church as a place of wastage. A place where the, the people who have failed in, that's what I used to think, by the way. I used to think, People who work in church are people who have failed at everything in life. They come to the church. Ah, which of you, when you have organizations, you hire the worst? You say, who has failed in life? Come to my company. I want to hire you. So you think God, for him, that's what he does. He goes around looking for everyone who has nothing in the, that they can succeed at and says, you are the ones I want. Ah, you people, you people. You've disqualified yourself because you're too clever, you're too brilliant, you're too, you're too beautiful. You, you, you are known in the world to do certain things, but in the church there is a gap, but you can't feel it. And I'm not only talking about giving God your best in terms of honoring God. You see, the word honor is about recognizing value in another. And I think we've stopped recognizing value in God. And today I'm going to deal with practical things, very practical and call your friends, by the way. Yeah, we, we went straight into it. We didn't even pray. We didn't even, because the thing is burning. It's hot. It's hot. It's hot. But the Holy Spirit is with us. He is most welcome wherever we are. I hope you've told our friends that we are on. I want to go into this. Giving God your best. God gave his best when he loved you. He wants the best for you. You want the best from God. To honor is to recognize value in someone. It's a state of the heart. And, when, and then what, when you recognize value, you give based on the value you recognize in a person. When I see how most of us are serving God in our generation, you see a lack of recognition of the value of God. We do not honor God. We do not see, and we're not the first. God addresses this in the scripture, and I'm going to show it to you. What am I saying to you and I? Don't give God the crumbs. 
Don't give God the leftovers of your energy, the leftovers of your gifts, the leftovers of your abilities. Singers who sing on the worship team, you prepare better when you're going to sing in a bar than when you're going to sing on Sunday. For some of you, people who usher on Sunday morning, you give, you prepare better, you dress better when you're going to your friend's wedding than when you're coming to church on Sunday. On Sunday, you have to wear what's convenient, what would bother you, but on that day you do your makeup, you show up. Gentlemen, you play on bands, you sing in bars, but you, you can't sing on a worship team because it's too, yeah, what's the point of singing on a worship team? Because you don't understand the value of God in your life. To honor God is to see, recognize value and therefore respond to the value you see in God. I've caught myself sometimes, you find that you're preparing better to go and speak in an organization than teaching on Sunday morning. And that is wrong. It is wrong. It means that we do not honor God. God requires our best. God requires our best energy, our best attention, our best use of our gifts and abilities when we are serving him. He requires the very best. Why should your boss get your best? And God's church gets what's left over, what you can manage. Why should you show up on time at work but show up late every Sunday for church? Every Sunday. It shows that you don't value God. Yeah, you, God is your friend. He's, your, he's not your Lord. He's not the creator of the universe, the one who has given you life and breath, the one who deserves your very best. Where if the service starts at 10, you're there by 9.55. Sitting, waiting, because you know that, God, I don't know what you're serving today, but I want to be in your presence. I long for it. I, I desire to gather with your people. I don't just switch on online and be in my bed with stuff coming out of my mouth and people are playing praise and worship and I'm like, go, 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 praise God, yeah. Uh, your son, so bring me my porridge. Meanwhile, you're inside the bed and you think that you honor God. You don't, you're giving him what's convenient, what doesn't cost you much, what won't bother you. I've not even talked about the offering. I know you're like, you told us, you tell us about it. I'm going to tell you that story. Coming late, what's convenient, your gifts and abilities. Many of you, you have these gifts of interior deco, but you've never used them for the church. You use them to make money out there. Mammon, which is a spirit on money, you serve it better than you serve God. Some of you have gifts of, I don't know, on media, but your church has no media anything, no media team, no media nothing, you know. Uh, your church, you, you have gifts of sales and marketing, and you can't use those to help the church reach more people for Jesus. Sales and marketing, your, your first hours, your first money. When it comes to money, we are going to talk about money. I can assure you that part of honoring God, it is in the word has to do with how you use your money and your treasure. You see, the, the thing is here that treasure leads the heart. Treasure leads the heart. Your heart, if you want your heart to honor God, give him what is valuable to you. Give him what doesn't cost you little. Train your heart to have a posture of honor towards God. Giving God your best is what we are talking about today. Honoring God by giving him your best. Giving him your very best, your best clothes, your best gifts, your best abilities, your best contributions, your best money, your best use of your gifts and, 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 and just the things that God has given to you. That, uh, does the church you go to ever experience those things that you carry? If you're a great mobilizer, if you're a great speaker, if you're a great, I don't know, artist, has the church ever experienced those gifts of yours? Giving God your very best. You know what? Let's get into it. I want to start by showing you a story. Um, you see, giving God your best. Maybe I'll give you three keys to giving God your best. To honoring God. First of all, I, I, I don't want to start with the, 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 the issue of money or whatever, but it's giving God your first and best. Best abilities, best gifts. That's a first key to give your best. To give your first and your best, the first of all your energies, the first of all your money, the first of all your abilities, the first of all, the first, the first. They say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you in Matthew 6, 33. But he also says in Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. That's how you honor God, by giving him your first. When money comes, you take off the tithe first before you take off savings, investments, charcoal, uh, chicken, what, clothes, first. 
first take off to recognize that god you are the one who gave me this this is the first i take off your first 10 percent then i can use the rest i used to tithe but i used not to tithe fast i used to tithe but not fast like i would do other things then oh of course i know i'll tithe like of course but now when we learned about giving god our fast that that's you recognizing that he's your source and giving him your very first the first of all to give him your most superior so the first key to honoring God is to give him your first. God actually says the first belongs to him, the first born child, the first of everything, the first of your morning, the first of your day, the first of everything belongs to God. And so to honor him is to give it to him, the first of your money, to honor him by giving him the first of all, the first of all. And I want to show you another one. This one, I love it. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 24. 2 Samuel 24, some of you say to Samuel, that's okay. Samuel, 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 as long as we go to two Sam. Second Samuel chapter 24, I want to show you a story of a man who loved God, David. And what happened when someone tried to make him offer something that would cost him nothing? Beware of convenience. Convenience and honor don't work together. Honor requires many times for us to do what's inconvenient because honor is about serving another the way they love to be served and giving our very best. And sometimes that means giving what is inconvenient for you, like showing up on time. Because many of you listen to me, you show up on time at work every day. No matter what, when it's raining, when it's shining, you will show up. But if it's Sunday morning or it's Wednesday and we have a mission or community meeting or whatever midweek service it is at your church, if you're like, even God will understand. Why will God understand but your boss won't? Why will God be the one who understands that you'll give him what costs you nothing, but your boss won't? Basically, there's more honor for your boss than for God. That's the truth of the matter. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, I want to read the story for you from verse 18. So there was a plague that has come in Israel, and God instructed David to give a sacrifice. Uh, let's start from verse 18. And God came that day to David and said to him, 2 Samuel 24 from verse 18. God came that day to David and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David, according to the word of God, not God, God, God is a person, G-A-D. I know some of you, that's how you say God, God. No, this God is a God, G-A-D. So David, according to the word of God, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Aruna went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Then Aruna said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Aruna said to David, let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look. Here are even oxen for burnt offer sacrifice and threshing implements and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O King Aruna, O King Aruna has given to the king. <laughs> and Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. So God has told David to offer a sacrifice. David goes to one of his subjects and says, I'd like to offer a sacrifice. I want to buy your threshing floor. I need to make a sacrifice to God. And this man honors the king so much and is like, king, why would I sell to you anything? Here is a threshing floor. Here are the oxen for the sacrifice. Here are the threshing floor instruments, implements. Do what you need to do for God. You don't need to buy from me. And that's what many of us happens. You come to serve on a team and you're gifted and your pastor says, we will pay you um, every week for you to play the keyboard. And you allow. Basically, you're going to offer the Lord your playing of instruments, but it's going to cost Someone is going to pay you to do it. Basically, you're offering God equals nothing because you're giving nothing. Whatever you're giving is paid for. So they've offered you payment for that. Or they've offered you, like, basically, it's what's convenient for you. We don't want you to be inconvenienced. Can you give one Sunday a week and only serve in one service? If it works for you, because we don't want you to be inconvenienced and you think, oh, that's such a nice church. They don't let us get inconvenienced. Sorry, you're giving God what costs you nothing. You're trying to find a way to make sure you give God absolutely nothing. What won't bother me? What won't cost me? What, what will I give to? But you're not really, you're giving to him what will equals nothing to you. This is what was about to happen to David. So Aruna was, he was, he was being kind, but David understood that, uh, my friend, your kindness is robbing me of honor to God. 
because I won't give God my best. I will give God what you've offered. Basically, it's me passing on your offering to God on your behalf. I know you're catching something. Those early mornings when you have to go to church to serve on a team, that is you giving to God something because the entire week you've been serving man from Monday to Saturday. Some of you work Saturdays. You're serving man. Some of you have been offered jobs where the, they double your pay if you work on Sunday and you think it is the Lord. The same one who said, choose one day in the week and make it holy to me where you gather with my people and worship me. If you will pass that test, a better job will come where you trust God that you, I will not work on a Sunday. I will go to worship God on a Sunday. It will cost me something. Let it cost me that salary. Let me tell you, God will bring... There's, there's a young woman who I disciple who had got a job outside of the city and she's married. And I told her that's not God's best. God doesn't require husband and wife to be apart. So why don't we trust God? We went through a long conversation, searched the scriptures, and I told her I think it's a test. I know that the voice of reason is saying, you need the money, your husband is not making too much, you're not making too much, you have all these needs, this looks like an opportunity from God, but there's no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. And this marriage had already gone through a shake-up and now they're in recovery, and what had shaken them up, they were apart. They were living apart for years because of work. The marriage was now under the altar of money, and that's what many of us do. And you know, one month later, God has provided a job in the city after she passed that test. We are so joyful that she'll still be able to be with her family and have a job where she can work in the city and not leave her husband behind and open the door for the enemy to come and devour. And, and, and I know that that's not about serving God, but it is. That's serving God. Serving God is honoring him, putting him above everything else in everything you do. Giving God your very best, honoring him, putting value on God and his word and what he says. So anyway, let's look at Aruna and King David. So Aruna has offered David the threshing floor, the oxen, the implements for doing the sacrifice. Basically, he's telling David, offer nothing, offer my offering on, on, on your behalf. And that's what many of us go through, the, the deception of convenience. Then the king, verse 24, 2 Samuel 24, 24. Then the king said to Aruna, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with what costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver and he built an altar there. But for me the statement there from David is, I will not offer to the Lord my God what that which costs me nothing. That should be your mantra. I will not give the Lord what costs me nothing. I will not give to the Lord what is the most convenient. I will not show up to serve God for only when, I will not do things for God only when it's convenient. I will, because convenience is the enemy of honor. It really is. If it's, if it's convenient, then I will serve my husband. If it's not convenient, I won't. If it's convenient, I will, imagine if your parents only took you to schools that they were, it was convenient for them to pay for. Well, how would you turn out? They went through so much inconvenience. Imagine if, you, if, you, if, you, if your teachers taught you what was convenient to teach you, or they gave you marks that were convenient to pass you to the next class. Like everything in life that costs you something requires you to exert yourself beyond convenience. It costs something to honor. It costs something to honor God. It costs something to live a life that honors God. To give God your best costs something. For you to pass exams, you had to exert yourself to get the best marks. Why should God get the least? To read your Bible and pray every day is going to cost you something. To show up in the presence of God is going to cost you something. Be like David and say, I refuse to give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I refuse to give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I refuse to give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. And that also, so th that, that's giving God your very best. Giving your God the most superior. Giving God the first. Giving God the first, giving God the best, giving God the most superior. Giving God the be first, best, most superior. First, best, most superior. Yes, say it with me. First, best, most superior. That's what it means to honor the Lord. That you recognize the value that God carries. You don't give God what costs you nothing. That it, if, as long as it, it's convenient for me, that's how you don't grow. You move from church to church, from place to place, because you don't give God what, what, what costs you something. Convenience is the only enemy of honor. 
you cannot honor and also have convenience at the same time. It costs something to cook the meal that your husband likes. It costs something to show up on time at work and do your very best. That's what the Bible tells us, that we should give our very best everywhere we go. That's part of honoring God, by showing up at work and being an example, an exemplary person at the office. Colossians 3, verse 23, that says, and whatever you do, actually, let's start on 22. It says, bond servants or people who work at jobs, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Do you know that doing your job well is part of fearing God and honoring him? And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You serve the Lord Christ, whether it's at work, in your family. I told you the other week that when you become a soul winner in your mind, you find that you're wiser, you do things to please God, you change how you behave because you are wise. You are wise, you are serving God. So listen to me. What did David say to Aruna, the man who wanted to honor him by giving him a threshing floor that cost nothing? When you're offered to do things that cost you nothing, beware you're probably walking in dishonor. Of course, there are times when you're getting a good offer. It's, uh, it's, it's favor, the favor of God. You don't have to pay for something. That's different. I'm talking about honoring God, something that costs you nothing. Like when you choose to live with someone you're not married to because it's easier than getting married. You don't have to go through bride price and a wedding. You're not honoring God. Honoring God costs you something. It inconveniences you, but it elevates you. And it shows your heart for God. But I want to show you one more thing when it comes to honoring God. Because it's giving your first, your best, and the most superior. So you've seen David that it cost him something. He said, I will pay for this. I'll pay for the threshing floor. I'll pay for the sacrifices. I refuse to give God what costs me nothing. Because I honor him. I want it to cost me something to serve the Lord. I know you think, you think I'm going to go to Malachi 3. No, that's not where I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to Malachi chapter 1, actually, where God, through the prophet Malachi, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, God, through the prophet Malachi, is, is really addressing an issue of dishonor. He's saying that people are dishonoring me. I'm going to read it in the New King James and then in the New Living Translation. Malachi chapter 1, we will start from verse 6 to around 14. Yes, we're going to read together. From verse 6, Malachi 1, 6 to 14. says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. That's a statement. Like God is making a statement. Like you all know a son honors his father, and a servant honors his master. It says, If then I am the father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts. To you the priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar. But you say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. But now, entre now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us. While this is being done by your hands, will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord. Eh, but you profane it. In that you say the table of the Lord is defiled and its fruit, its food is contemptible. You also say, oh, what a weariness. You sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick. Thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord. But cast be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Wow! 
Do you hear what God is saying? He's like, you guys, if you call me Lord, you call me your father, you call me your master, and yet when I look in the offertory bag, the things you're putting in the offering, you bring the lame, you bring the sick, you bring the stolen, you bring your worst, and you bring it to me, and then you call me your Lord. He's saying you live in your, you look in your wallet, and the worst, smallest note is what you throw in the offering bag. And he's saying, and you call me your Lord. I am not your Lord. You are lying. And he's saying, why? Your, what you give to me declares how much you honor me. And I'm telling you, many believers in the area of offerings, we don't know. The truth is that we don't know. I've learned that people don't know. That how can you show up to God? One, empty-handed, which is a shock. You know, it, what keeps coming to my mind is the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel both offered to God their offerings. <laughs> Abel gave his very best. The Bible describes how he gave the fatlings and the fast of his flocks. And then the Bible says, and Cain also brought something, like he brought an offering to God. And then God accepted the offering of Abel and did not accept Cain's offering. But how did he know? When they offered together, nothing happened, but they saw the results in their lives after time. And Cain was jealous of the results of Abel and then killed him. And God told him, you know what to do. You know what to do. Like God is not under pressure to accept your offering when he knows that it was a convenient, afterthought, crumbs, beggarly offering. I have a disciple, I told you at the beginning, I'll tell you that story, who for a long time, she thought, that offertory is 2,000 Uganda shillings. Now, 2,000 Uganda shillings is not even a dollar. Less than a dollar. That's what she thought, like, that's what offering is, like, offertory. If you're giving offertory, that's what you give to God. And she definitely got it from somewhere. I believe that her parents, that's what maybe they used to give them for offering. The, the smallest note in the, in the uh, that, that was it, that was the offering. And, and for many of us, we are tithers, but we are not really, off, we, are not, we don't honor God. We honor God with our tithes, but not our offerings. How many of you prepare your offering before you leave home? You prepare it, you put it, you know when you're going to give your friend a gift, you prepare it, you go, you get the best, you put it in a packaging box and you deliver it. But when it comes to God, you know, you look in as the thing, it's an afterthought. It's, oops, the offertory bag is passing by, what won't hurt me? Throw it in. That is to God, it's not to your pastor. Many pastors actually give a very good offering, I'll tell you. They prepare because they already honor God. But many of us, we give the lame, we give the blind, we give the, the broken, we give the stolen to God. Like whatever is not going to cost me is what I'm going to give God. And in that we dishonor God. That's what he says in his word. He has to say, I am the king. My name will be great. He's saying, how can you give me such an offering? He says, take it to your governor. Give it to one of your leaders and see, would you take the thing that you're giving to God, those offerings that we bring to God, would you give it to your governor? That song, the way you sing on Sunday morning, would you sing that way at a concert and be accepted to be on the leading team? Those clothes that you wear when you're going to serve God, would you wear them and be accepted even at your workplace? That time that you show up for the service one hour late, would you show up at work and continue to get a, have a job there or you'd be chased? Yes, I'm talking about the money, the offering, but I'm also talking about generally in life, the way we carry ourselves before God. Would we do that in another place and it would be acceptable? But today one of the things I'm addressing is actually the, the offering. Because we are supposed to honor God. You see, your generosity with God does not begin with tithe. Tithe is returning what doesn't belong to you. Tithe is simply not being a thief. Tithe is you being a faithful person. You see... If I give you money and you bring it back, like my money, and I tell you, please return the other money that I gave you, have you been generous with me? Are you showing me your honor? No, you're just being a faithful person. You're returning what's mine. Tithe is not yours. It belongs to God. So returning the tithe, it's not even called giving tithe. It's returning. Returning the tithe is you saying, God, I am a faithful person. When you give me 100%, I take off yours, which is 10, and I keep my 90. God is such a good partner. He gives us 100% and tells us, keep the 90, 10 is mine. So, returning the tithe is not a mark of generosity. It's a mark of faithfulness. Now, after faithfulness, God says, honor me. And he's telling these guys that, you people, <laughs> you offer defiled food on my altar. You bring the lamb. You bring the sick. Let me read it for you in the New Living Translation. I find it very interesting. New Living Translation from verse 6 says, 
the Lord of Heaven's armies, you see how he introduces himself, says to the priests, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I'm your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled, how have we defiled the sacrifices? Or how have we defiled you? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. Of course, you're not bringing animals, but you're bringing money. You're bringing your gifts and abilities. You're, whatever you're bringing to God, if it's, if it's lame, blind, go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Asks the Lord of Heaven's armies. And then he says in verse 10, how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. In other words, instead of doing that convenient thing, keep it because God doesn't need my money and yours. And I will not, and he says the Lord of Heaven's armies, and I will not accept your offerings, but my name is honored by people of other nations. From morning till night, all around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. God will find people who will honor him. But you dishonor my name with your actions. By bringing contemptible food, you are saying it's right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord, and you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord of Heaven's Armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these? Asks the Lord. Cast is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock. But when sacrifices are deceptive, but then sacrifice sacrifices a, de a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is to be feared among the nations. I'm telling you, that is the Lord's heart. He's like, you'd rather keep you're a sacrifice and bring it to me. You'd rather not serve on that team than serve the way you serve. You're annoyed, you're irritated, you're difficult. The people on, who, who lead the team, when they think of you, you're a pain. Why? Because you think that you're helping God by serving him. He's saying, I will find people to serve me. Stay at your home and sleep rather than bringing your anger to serve me or you're your, your irritated. Your, your, what, 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 a, what a difficult task it is to serve God, but then you're happier to go to work and work for your boss seven days a week or six days a week. Don't give God what costs you nothing. But also, give God your best. Start preparing your tithe, uh, your offerings. We prepare our offering. We have a, a bare minimum that we don't go below for my husband and I, where you know that when you're going to church, it doesn't matter how many services, you trust God that you'll always have a particular offering as a bare minimum. And if you fail to make it, you give the very best you have in your wallet because God deserves the best. We don't give God what costs us nothing, what's, in, what's convenient, what won't, what won't disturb us. You see, that's how your heart moves because where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. When you train yourself to deal with God that way, show up late, give your worst, do what you can. If you don't like it, don't do it. That means even when he gives a command, you won't obey it because you're used to being a certain way with God. When his word says this, you'll do whatever, whatever works for you. You will, you will prescribe for yourself what's convenient for you, but you'll honor your boss, you'll honor your workmates, you'll honor, I don't know who, but not the Lord. You'll put others above God. So you're training your heart by how you behave in his house. You train your heart. Even in his presence, when the word is being preached, are you on your phone WhatsApping, cracking jokes with a neighbor? To train ourselves to be people who honor God in our actions, in how we give our offering, in how we use our gifts and abilities, in what we give to God. We don't give God what costs us nothing, where they are paying us to do for him something. Ah, you're giving the Lord what costs you absolutely nothing to give. And there will always be a distinction between the people who honor God. Let me show you that scripture. I think it's in Samuel. Yeah, where God says, you know what? Those who honor me, I will honor. Yeah, and those who, who do not honor me, I will also lightly esteem. 1 Samuel 2, verse 30. What does it say? It says, this was to Eli the priest. Hmm? And he was, he feared his children more than he feared God. Um, so, 
Let's start from verse 27, 1 Samuel 2. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer up my, upon my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Verse 29. Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me, to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people? Like, Eli honored his sons above God. And God doesn't like that. When we honor someone else above him, we honor our boss above him, we honor the, the um, I don't know, the gig people above God, we honor our parents above God. It's like, don't honor anyone above me because God, the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. God wants us to put him above everything in our lives because anything that goes above God becomes an idol. And God didn't just address this matter with Eli. He told him, you know what? You've chosen to honor your children above me by letting them misuse the temple, by letting them, you know where you choose to honor your parents above God or you choose to honor the one you work for above God or you honor your workmate above God or your husband or wife above God or your workmates above God, where it's more convenient. Your children, some of you, it's your children, you honor them above God. And when you do that, you put your children in trouble because Eli lost all his children and his assignment. And verse 30, therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And he goes on to tell him what is going to happen. I'll cut off your children. And indeed, Samuel took the place of Eli's children to serve God. Because God is so serious about honoring him. Those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me, I will lightly esteem. God wants to honor you. And let me tell you, when God honors you, the whole world knows. Yes, he puts a crown of glory on your head. But he honors those who honor him. Are you among those who honor God, who put him above convenience, who serve him and give him your very best bit at work in his church when you're making a pledge to give towards his house? How much do you give? Do you give what's convenient or you stretch into what you know, God, you'll have to help me fulfill this. And then do you do your best to make sure that you fulfill what you say you will give to his house? Be always be among the first, the ones who give first and best and most superior. That is honoring God to say, Lord, I value you. I value your house. I value what matters to you matters to me. Are you the one who jumps on every opportunity to serve, to be where God wants you to be, to, to give what does not cost you nothing? That is what I hear the Lord say to us. Arise, let there be a generation that rises where we honor God above man. We honor God above master, above money, above convenience, where we don't choose on God's days that day when we go to crack a deal. That deal can give it up and see what will happen. You know, Chick-fil-A in America is one of the biggest restaurant chains and most profitable. They close on Sunday, the day when everyone wants to eat out. They say Sunday is a day of worshiping God and God has honored them in that and has built them a business that is so amazing. For you, Sunday can't be the day when the day for sleeping, for washing clothes, for doing laundry, for everything else but God. When you show up latest, when you but also beyond Sunday morning, from Monday, are you honoring God? Are you giving him what is best, not what is most convenient? When on Sunday, when the offertory bag comes, what do you do? You give what's most convenient, or you give your very best. Start preparing your offering, your clothes the night before. You know, making sure that your very best is what you're wearing, not the clothes with holes or other things. Which what? Wear your perfume. Show up on Sunday. Show up on time, and show up always. Don't be the person who the statistics show that 90% of Christians show up. The ones who are dedicated, they come once a month to church. What a shock! Because on Sundays when they choose to go have family lunches, family get-togethers, first go to church. Honor God. Go to his house to gather with his people to worship him. Don't give God what costs you nothing but is most convenient. Don't do that. That is not God's best for you. I want to challenge you to be that person who honors God. Yes, I see a generation rising of people who honor God, who give him our first, our best, and our most superior. That's what I see you doing every single day of your life to give God your very best. Do not give to the Lord that which will cost you nothing. And if you honor him according to 1 Samuel 20, 30, those who honor him, he honors.
he will honor you. I've seen him honor me. I've seen him honor so many people who have chosen to give him their best, who have chosen to sacrifice what is best for them and give it to the Lord. And that should be your story. And that should be your story. That should be your story in this generation. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word. The entrance of your word brings light and gives understanding to the simple. Lord, I thank you that even right now, you, t you heal us from convenience and dishonor. We repent, Lord, where we have dishonored you, knowingly or unknowingly, where we have interpreted your grace to mean dishonor and convenience and just giving you what costs us nothing. And now, Lord, we thank you that it is you who works in us, both to will and to do according to your good pleasure. Lord, teach us to honor you every day of our lives, to give you what's best, to give you what costs us something, and to do it with so much joy because we love you with our hearts and our souls and our might and our strength and our gifts and our abilities, Lord. We want to give you what is the very best. Lord, may there be more people rising in our generation who serve you with gladness of heart and who give you the very best. We thank you, Lord. And now, friends, if you're watching and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, the first thing is give him your life. Give him your life. Give him your life. Give him your life and trust him to use it for his glory and to give you the best version of life that you have never walked in before. So if that is you, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life or you walked with him before and then you walked away, I want to challenge you right now to receive Jesus. Receiving Jesus is not a religion. It is receiving a relationship with him, walking with him every day of your life. So go ahead and pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I accept you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe that you died for all my sins. And you rose again for my glory. Write my name in the book of life. And give me a new beginning. Teach me to live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I will serve you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, you're born again. Let us know that you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There is a number on your screen. Send us a message on that number. Let us know that you have received Jesus today, 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 today. Don't waste another minute. Stop what you're doing. Send that message. Let us know that you've made the decision. We want to pray with you. Join a church. Join a worship harvest church, a church near you that teaches the Bible Get serving in the church. Do something with your gifts and abilities and be a committed member who honors God with your life and get to know what God says about you by reading his word, listening to teachers of the word and doing what the Bible tells you to do. That's how you live victoriously. I want to pray with you. If you have any pain in your body everywhere Jesus went, he preached. And even as I was teaching, I know that many of you were receiving healing. But right now we speak healing, healing to eyesight someone you've been struggling with your eyes we speak healing to them right now no more itching no more blurred vision no more headaches from your eyes in the name of jesus it is well with you ear problems are being healed right now someone your ear has been burning and itching and ringing and whatever we speak wellness to your ears in the name of jesus it is well with you someone you've been having itching around your nails eh? it's so much itching the nails itch you so much we speak healing right now in the name of jesus let healing grace flow in Jesus' name, someone else, it's been something that feels like arthritis, like your bones hurt. You feel pain in your bones. We speak healing right now to that in Jesus' name. Ulcers are being healed in the name of Jesus. Right now, we speak wellness in Jesus' name. Someone, you keep getting extremely hungry in an unusual and abnormal way. We speak to your thyroid gland to stop over, 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 overworking in the name of Jesus. It is well with you. We cast pancreatic diseases in the name of Jesus. You are well. It is well with you. Back pain is healed in the name of Jesus. Someone you've been having constipation that just won't go on and off, on and off. We speak to your digestive system to work well in the name of Jesus. Go eat some vegetables, lots of them vegetables and fruits. It is well with you. Drink lots of water. It is well with you. It is well with you. We speak wellness to you. Yes, we speak wellness to you. Digestive system is healed. It is well. It is well. It is well. It is well with you. There's a child who has been very sick the parent you've been worried thinking your child is going to die your child will not die they will live in jesus name it is well with you it is well with you someone you've been having a lot of anxiety confusion memory loss we speak wellness to your mind peace that surpasses human understanding guards your heart and your mind 
in Christ Jesus, someone has been going through a lot of itching, allergies, itching. Um, we speak wellness to you right now. No more, no more will you be having those attacks in Jesus' name, whatever you've been reacting to. We speak healing in the name of Jesus. It is well. Yes, Lord, we thank you for healing in the right knee. In the name of Jesus, you are healed. Yes, you are healed. You are healed. It is well. It is well. Someone, your tongue has been having uh, things on it. Things on it that just pain and, and blisters and white stuff. We speak wellness to your tongue right now. You receive relief in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, thank you. It is Jesus who heals. He heals you right now by the power of his Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Hair loss, we stop you right now. In the name of Jesus, someone, every time you comb, so much hair has been falling out. And you've been worried. It is well with you. Someone, you've been having things in your armpit. Uh, blisters or boils. We speak wellness right now to you. In the name of Jesus, we cast them. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, we thank you that it is well. Gum disease is healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your healing grace that flows right now, right this moment. We thank you, Lord, for healing of relationships, healing of hearts. Yes, Lord, we thank you for peace and joy return in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Even if it hasn't been named, just receive your healing. Migraines are healed in the name of Jesus. Every disease and every sickness, we curse you. In the name of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus. It was paid for in full. Healing is the children's bread. We are the healed of the Lord and our bodies hear the word of the Lord. We thank you, Lord. Blood diseases are healed. It is well. It is well. Someone, you've been getting things all over your body, patches. They are healed in the name of Jesus. They, they are going to disappear and go away in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that it is well with us. It is well with our families. We are blessed. We are highly favored. And we will be the generation that honors you, that honors you with everything we do. You will remind us, Holy Spirit, when we forget that we'll honor you with our giving. We'll honor you with our gifts and abilities, our serving, even at work and at home. We'll be people of testimony. We will serve you in our generation. And we will be soul winners who live wisely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you again next week. Same place same time share this widely and let's get the word of god out there because it has the power to transform lives see you next time you're blessed Bye.